0: We know where. We know where. We Christmas, know where. the season for hope. Without Christ's birth, there is no sinless life, no death or resurrection, no hope. We celebrate the hope of Christmas, honoring our Savior is the reason for this season. Join us now for an American Family Radio presentation, Three Questions for Christmas, featuring Dr. Ray Pritchard a frequent co-host of today's issues and president of keep believing ministries now here's ray with three questions for christmas you never know how a baby will turn out i feel like more of an expert on this subject than i was 10 years ago back then we had no grandchildren now we have eight ranging in age from nine to one in order we have Knox, eli penny violet zoe hannah Josh, and Nico. We are making plans for all eight of them to visit our home between Christmas and New Year's Day. If I suddenly disappear from view for a few days, you'll know where I am. I remember when Knox, our first grandchild, came for a visit soon after he was born. The rest of our family came too, and his mother and father came with him. But Knox was the star of the show all weekend long. We all had our jobs to do, and mine was picking up our grandson and walking him around the house. It wasn't really a job at all. A long time ago, I picked up his father, our oldest son, and walked him around our house in Norwalk, California. That was in the last century, a nice phrase that reminds me of the passing of the years. I am actually happy about that because I could look around and see three generations in the same room, grandfather, father, son. As I walked Knox, I would sing to him. Usually, I started with, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine, a song I remember my father singing often. Then I sang Christmas carols and scripture songs, including one I used to sing to our oldest son, The Wicked They Flee." when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. That comes from Proverbs 28 verse one. I made up the melody when our oldest son was a little boy and now I sang it to his son, my grandson. About our grandchildren, eight in all, I would only venture to say they are absolutely captivating. This grandparenting business is entirely different from being a parent even though I can't exactly explain it. I find myself thinking about those grandkids and praying for them and wondering how they will turn out. Parents and grandparents have been wondering about babies since time began. It must have been that way when Jesus was born. Luke 2.19 tells us that after the shepherds visited Mary and no doubt shared what the angels had said to them, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There was certainly a lot to think about. The angel had said, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Luke 1.33. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.11. And then aged Simeon, holding Jesus in his arms, had declared to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also. Luke 2.35 The last verse of Mark Lowry's beautiful Mary Did You Know? poses the question this way, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is Heaven's perfect Lamb, this sleeping child you're holding, is the great I Am. But not everyone knows that, or understands it, or believes it. As we think about Christmas, let's remind ourselves once again who Jesus really is. Revelation 1 5 offers a threefold picture of our Lord. This verse is part of John's introduction to his book where he introduces himself and wishes his readers grace and peace. Here is John's description of Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. These three phrases help us understand the identity of the baby born in Bethlehem. And each one answers a question we would like to ask, about Jesus Christ. Question 1. Can I trust Him? The first question is the most basic of all. The men and women of this generation have heard the name of Jesus many times. What they want to know is very simple. Can I trust Him? In a world of religious charlatans, this is where we must begin. We discover the answer in John's first title. He calls Jesus the faithful witness. A witness tells what he has seen or heard. A faithful witness is one whose testimony is reliable every time. John means that Jesus Christ can be relied upon to tell the truth. When he speaks, he speaks only the truth. His words are absolutely true and authoritative. 1 Timothy 6.13 speaks of Christ Jesus who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. And what did he say when he stood before Pilate? I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. John 18.37 Jesus is the supreme truth teller, and those who want to find the truth must listen to him. Writing several hundred years ago, one commentator said that the title Faithful Witness means four things. First, what God said Christ made known. Second, he taught without regard to the words of men. Third, he was faithful even in death. Fourth, he will reveal the truth in the end. I love this statement by John Watson. No one, has yet discovered the word Jesus ought to have said. None suggested the better word he might have said. No action of his has shocked our moral sense. None has fallen short of the ideal. He is full of surprises, but they are all the surprises of perfection. Each person has to deal with this. Each person must answer this fundamental question about Jesus. Can I trust him? Some people will answer yes. Others will say no. Until the issue is settled, there is no point in talking about anything else. Many years ago, Bob Harrington, the chaplain of Bourbon Street, and Madeline Murray O'Hare, the famous atheist, had a debate on the Donahue TV program. At one point, someone in the audience asked Mrs. O'Hare what she was going to do when Jesus returned, what would she say then? With great confidence, she declared, It won't happen, so I don't have to worry about that. To which Bob Harrington replied, The Bible contains 318 verses that speak of the return of Jesus Christ. She just said He isn't going to return. Over here, you've got 318 verses in the book of God. And over there, you've got one verse from the book of O'Hare. Now, who are you going to believe? That's the key question. Who are you going to believe? Let's suppose you don't want to take my word for it. Read the record for yourself. Here's a simple test. Here's a little experiment. Here's something each one of us could do. Take 30 days to read the gospel account. Read the story for yourself and come to your own conclusions. Open the Bible. Read Matthew. Read Mark. Read Luke. Read John. Take a month and just read the four gospels. I tell you what I believe will happen if you read with an open mind and an open heart you will come to the inevitable conclusion that what Jesus said is true, that he is the truth, and that his word can be eternally trusted. I am not saying anything to try to prove it to you. I simply challenge you to read it for yourself. So may I say to you, wherever you are today, in church, out of church, a believer, a non-believer, a skeptic, an interested seeker, Do this. Open the Bible. Give Jesus a fair reading. Take 30 days and read the story of our Lord from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it for yourself. Make up your own mind. When you do, you will find that He is entirely trustworthy. Can I trust Him? Yes, I can. For He is the faithful witness. Question number two. Does Jesus have the power to help me? The answer is found in John's second title for Jesus Christ. He calls him the firstborn from the dead. This refers to his resurrection from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he was the firstborn from the dead. Now what exactly does that mean? It means he is the first person who ever rose from the dead never to die again. During his ministry, Jesus raised several people from the dead, including Lazarus, who had been dead four days, John 11. Each occasion was a remarkable miracle, but they had this in common. All of the people Jesus raised would eventually die again, but not Jesus himself. When he came forth from the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, he rose once and for all. When he left the grave, he left for good jesus is the firstborn from the dead in the sense that he is the first in a long line of people who will be raised from the dead never to die again i find great comfort in this over the years i have presided at many funerals i know what it's like to stand at the graveside and try to say something hopeful in the calloused face of death it's not easy to pray when someone you love has been taken from you. No wonder the Bible calls death the last enemy. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. In those moments, I find strength in one thing and one thing only. Jesus has conquered the grave and done what no mortal man has ever done. He has come back from the dead, never to die again. What happens to those who believe in him And I'm thinking now, not just of our generation, but for 2,000 years, all those in every country, in every climate, from every race, in every ethnic group, from every tribe and tongue and kindred, what happens to the followers of Jesus who believed in him and who died believing in him? Thank God we are not left to wonder or to speculate. God himself has spoken on that subject. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. If we believe, it is as simple and as difficult as that. You will never convince yourself of the resurrection by camping out in a cemetery. If you go to a cemetery and wait for a resurrection, you'll have to wait a long time After all, the last one happened over 2,000 years ago. But we have the Word of God, which overrides anything we can see with our eyes. Our faith in the resurrection of the dead does not rest on what our eyes can see. Our faith rests in that act of God whereby He raised Jesus from the dead. If God can do that, He can do anything we need to hear again these familiar words of Jesus from John 11:25 25, and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We often hear those words quoted at funeral services, but we don't often hear the question Jesus asked at the end. Do you believe this? What a question that is. I know it's hard to believe in life after death when you are standing next to the casket containing someone you knew and loved. Death seems so overwhelming and so final. It's easy to think that death is all there is, that the grave wins in the end. But that's not true. I love the way Tony Evans puts it. Have a good time at my funeral because I'm not going to be there. Done and done. That's a truly Christian thing to say. Does Jesus have the power to help you? Yes, he does. For he is the firstborn from the dead. Question number three. Will Jesus take care of my future? Good question. Suppose I do trust him and suppose he does have the power to help me. Will Jesus take care of my future? The answer comes in John's final title for Jesus Christ. It is breathtaking in its scope. He calls Jesus the ruler of the kings of the earth. The word for ruler means he is the ultimate authority over all the kings of the earth. They are great, but he is greater. They are mighty, but he is mightier. Millions answer to them, but they answer to him. He is not merely one of the kings, he rules over them all. When John Piper preached on this phrase, he put the matter this way If George Bush says to Jesus, How can you be the ruler over me? I have my office by the election of the people of the United States, a sovereign nation and by virtue of a constitutional inauguration and installation. If George Bush says that, Jesus will answer, I have my office as ruler over you by God's election, and by virtue of my resurrection from the dead, my indestructible life, and my installation at God's right hand. But, that sermon was preached in 1989, The George Bush of that quote would be the older George Bush, George H.W. Bush. Since then, we've had Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama in the White House. And now we have Donald Trump as our president. The quote is still true no matter who occupies the White House. It's as true for George Washington as it is for George Bush, father or son. It's as true for Abraham Lincoln as it is for John Kennedy or Barack Obama or Donald Trump. In the first century, the mighty Emperor Nero thought he was the ruler of the kings of the earth. He held in his hands the power of life and death. Thumbs up, one man lived. Thumbs down, one man died. It is said that he ordered the burning of Rome and then blamed it on the early Christians. He had Paul the Apostle beheaded, thinking that the pernicious Christian movement would die with him. But now two thousand years have passed and the tables have turned. We name our dogs Nero and our sons Paul. Who are the kings of the earth John is talking about? Well. They are the political leaders in their various spheres, mayors and councilmen, chairmen and governors, congressmen and senators, presidents and prime ministers, and potentates of every variety. It includes every governor, past and present, every president, past and present. It includes all the prime ministers, all the dictators, all the leaders legitimate and illegitimate of every country, of every nation, of every empire from the beginning of time till the end of time. There are small-time kings who rule tiny realms and mighty kings who rule vast empires. Their names are Trump, Putin, Netanyahu, Trudeau, Kim, Abe, Coven, Johnson, Zelensky, Macron, Alvi, Z, Obrador, and Merkel, and a million others just like them. But wait a second. 25 years ago, I made a similar list that looked like this Bush, Hussein, Mubarak, Shamir, Gorbachev, Major, Cole, Aquino, Arias, Perez, Khomeini, Zhao, Kim, Pinochet, Castro, Mitterrand, Gandhi, Papandreyu, Kraxi, Mulroney, Assad, Mugabe, and Botha. With one or two exceptions, all those names have vanished from the stage of history just 25 years and most of them are gone and forgotten. That's the way it is with the rulers of this world. They are here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus is ruler over them all. It's true, this world is in a mess. That's why it's hard to believe this is true. In some ways, all the evidence seems to move in the opposite direction the pornographers go free, the baby killers are untouched, the politicians break the laws they write, the drug dealers make their millions, and the nations arm themselves for total destruction. When you look around, you could make a good case that Satan is the ruler of the kings of the earth. But it only seems that way. Satan has no power except that given to him by God. In due time and at the proper moment, Jesus will step back on the stage of world history. Think of it. The hands that were nailed to the cross will someday rule the world. Though we do not see it today, it is certain and sure of fulfillment. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. Read it for yourself and see how it ends. In the meantime, right now and at this very moment, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. By him they reign. By him they are restrained. By him they are replaced. By him they will be judged. Will Jesus take care of my future? Yes, he will. For he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. You're in good hands when you're in his hands. For those hands rule the universe. But that wasn't evident on that first night in Bethlehem. A casual onlooker would not have suspected that earth-shaking events were taking place in a forgotten stable, in a tiny village, in a remote corner of the Roman Empire. The prospects for the young child didn't seem very promising. You can never tell how a baby will turn out, but this one would surprise us all, and we are still surprised by him 2,000 years later. What is the application hold fast to jesus christ there is no security anywhere else today is yesterday and tomorrow as today he is the answer to the deepest questions of life can i trust him yes i can for he is the faithful witness does he have the power to help me yes he does for he is the firstborn from the dead will he take care of my future yes he will for he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. We need Him, and we need Him more than we know. This truth is worth repeating. You're in good hands when you are in His hands, for those hands rule the universe. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent a teacher. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent a banker. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent a Savior. And that is the surprise and the wonder and ultimately the delight of Christmas. God did what we never would have done. And in so doing, he opened the door to heaven for all of us. You never know how a baby will turn out, do you? This one turned out to be the Savior of the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her King. Place your life in his strong hands and you will never be disappointed. From all of us at American Family Radio, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. This has been an American Family Radio special, Three Questions for Christmas, featuring Dr. Ray Pritchard. If you would like to listen to this message again, connect with Ray or learn more about Keep Believing Ministries, visit keepbelieving.com.